This is Real Estate News with Kathy Fedke. We have seen a lot of volatility in the global economy these past few months. Headlines have been warning us about all sorts of economic uncertainties, like the trade dispute, a worldwide economic slowdown, and, of course, geopolitical issues. It's been enough to upset the stock market, but should real estate investors be concerned? I'm Kathy Fetke, and this is Real Estate News for Investors. Constant headlines about an impending recession could be a self-fulfilling prophecy, as confused consumers and investors pull back their spending and start saving instead. Anyone who experienced losses during the Great Recession of 2008 does not want to repeat that event. However, it's important to understand that the real estate market today is very different than it was last decade. In 2007 and 2008, adjustable rate mortgages were in the process of resetting to higher rates. Millions of homeowners had qualified for their home loans with lower teaser rates and could not afford the new adjusted payment. This, of course, led to mortgage defaults and subsequently millions of foreclosures nationwide. But today is a very different story. According to the St. Louis Fed, delinquency rates on single-family residential mortgages continue to decline. In Q2 of this year, delinquencies hit a record low of 2.59%, down from 11.5% in 2010. Back in the early 2000s, subprime loans were abundant. And that is just not the case today. Credit Karma looked at credit scores from TransUnion for about 1 million Credit Karma members who took out a first-time mortgage between August of 2017 and August of 2018. It found that the average credit score among those homebuyers ranged from 662 to 730, depending on where they live. Those borrowers needed high credit, low debt-to-income ratios, and proof of their ability to afford the mortgage payment with a two-year job history and plenty of reserves. The Dodd-Frank Act of 2010 heavily regulated banks and lenders after the mortgage meltdown. And while some no-doc or low-doc loans may still be available from private lenders, they represent a very small percentage of home loans today and require high credit scores and high cash reserves. New regulations just this year have made it even more difficult to qualify for a mortgage. In March of 2019, the FHA informed lenders it would require even more stringent standards to applicants with high debt and low FICO scores. Owner equity in real estate has hit new highs of $18 trillion. That's up from the last peak in 2006, when home equity reached $14 trillion. It slid to $8 trillion in 2012 which means that equity has more than doubled in just seven years. Tappable equity, which is equity that homeowners can borrow against, reached an all-time high of $6.3 trillion this year. According to Black Knight, that's 26% higher than the last high in 2006. So even if we do see a recession, borrowers may be less likely to walk away from their homes if they're locked into low monthly mortgage payments that are actually lower than rent, and if their homes carry their nest egg. So, if you're waiting for the next foreclosure crisis so that you can cash in on underpriced, distressed homes, you could be sitting on the sidelines for quite a while. Plus, there simply isn't enough affordable housing to meet demand today. Homebuilders got hit hard by the last recession, and they've been very slow to come back. In the meantime, the U.S. population has grown by over 25 million people since 2008, and household growth has increased by 10 million. Builders have not been able to keep up with that kind of demand. 
and adding to the lack of supply, the short-term rental business is booming when it didn't even exist in 2008. Today, approximately 600,000 homes are now being used as short-term rentals, according to Reuters. This new business has effectively taken long-term residential units off of the market. And in addition to that, New medical technologies that did not exist last decade are keeping more seniors at home. Aging in place has become more commonplace, effectively tying up more housing that normally would have been released onto the market. According to Insight, the shortfall of housing supply ranges from a low of 0.9 million to a high of 4 million housing units as of the second quarter of 2018. According to Freddie Mac's website, if supply continues to fall short of demand, Home prices and rents are likely to outpace income, and household formation will fail to reach potential. Housing inventory levels started to grow a bit last year when interest rates increased. While news stations proclaimed we were in a housing slump, in reality the market was just balancing out. Inventories increased slightly and price appreciation slowed down a bit, which was actually very good for buyers. And when interest rates started to decline this past summer, home sales jumped again. Now, housing supply is down by as much as 10% for affordable new homes priced under $200,000. Robert Dietz, chief economist of the National Association of Home Builders, says five years ago, that share was one in five, and 10 years ago, it was 40% of new home sales were priced under $200,000. He added that it's not just the overall supply of new construction that's gone down, but the supply of starter homes. So it's the affordability challenge at the entry level that's been a particular challenge. Inventory levels for homes between $200,000 and $750,000 is flat and starting to decline. And due to the high cost of construction, builders have been bringing in pricier homes to the market. But that's the category with the most supply today. Inventory of homes priced above $750,000 was 4.7% higher in September compared to September of 2018. Today's low interest rates will certainly help more people buy a home this fall, and probably into 2020. But it's important to understand that there is an affordability ceiling. Prices can't rise forever, no matter how low interest rates go. And rents can't climb forever either. In summary, the theme of 2020 will most likely be, quote, slowing but growing economy, unquote. So expect to see growth, but it will likely be slower than the past decade. New supply of homes will be slow to the market. Sales will be strong in affordable housing, moderate in median-priced homes, and slow in high-priced property. The current real estate cycle is indeed ending, and we're entering a new cycle of normal and stable. So we're certainly not falling off a cliff. But things might just get a little boring, and we need to go back to fundamentals. While many of us long to return to 2012 so that we can pick up cheap real estate with double-digit cap rates, that just doesn't exist anymore. We are now in an environment that requires a careful study of fundamentals. Strategies used over the past decade won't work in 2020 and beyond. Landlords will have to accept lower returns as rents stabilize. Proformas should not assume rising rents. House flippers will need to be more careful when calculating returns and must get a great bargain at the outset. Repair costs need to be accurate, along with the cost of marketing, taxes, insurance, and debt service. There will be less forgiveness when prices are stable. Developers should look for ways to provide more affordable housing. 
This may mean smaller floor plans on smaller lots or building vertical. At Real Wealth Network, we're also not taking on any builder debt. Instead, we raise enough money to acquire the land and build the first phases. Debt, or I should say bad debt, is what took builders down in the last cycle. We recently had economist Harry Dent on our other podcast, The Real Wealth Show, to give us his forecast. He's been predicting a financial reckoning for a long time and has often been described as the voice of doom and gloom. But there's always a positive and a negative to many of these economic scenarios. Here's some highlights from that interview, including what to expect during the next downturn and some emerging real estate trends. As most economists will tell you, it's not if we'll get hit by another recession, but when. And Harry expects that to happen in two to three years. And while that may impact other parts of the economy and real estate, Harry believes that rentals might just be fine. He says that millennials have already been flooding the rental market. Many of them are saddled with student loan debt, so they can't afford a down payment on a home, while others just choose to rent so they don't have to be tied down. But one of the newest trends that could have a big impact on the future demand for rentals is the increasing number of seniors who are renting. He was surprised by that, telling me that data from Rent Cafe shows there are 9.4 million renters who are 60 years of age or older. And he says that number is expected to double by 2035 to 18 million. What's driving this big surge in senior renters? They're retiring, and Harry says that many haven't saved enough money for their retirement, so they're also downsizing. Some may choose to sell or rent their McMansions in the city and rent in the suburbs where it's less expensive. He expects 10 to 20% of baby boomers to decide that renting is the better option for them. But something that investors need to consider is the kind of rental that they'd be looking for. Harry says they'll want rentals with amenities like dog sitting and plant watering with a one-level home with no stairs, along with other conveniences nearby. Investors should also look for opportunities to buy these McMansions when seniors decide to sell them. Harry says those homes could be a good buy for investors, preparing for a surge in millennial renters who may want to rent larger homes so they can raise their families. He also talked about another idea that big McMansions could make good assisted living facilities for retiring boomers. It may not be as easy as renting a home to a family, but he says that some people are creating small assisted living facilities that might house seven, eight, or nine people who pay up to $10,000 a month. He says the cash flow can be substantial for individuals who want to take on that kind of challenge. Whatever you do with that kind of investment, Harry says, there's not going to be a surplus of homes in the United States. He says those bigger homes will grow in value in step with inflation. So that's not a lot of appreciation, but with the potential for cash flow as a rental and the tenants paying off the mortgage, real estate investors can do well. Harry says, that's why I think the people who invest in real estate for the income and rentals are going to be the long-term winners in the future. Harry's full interview offers other pearls of wisdom about the rental market, along with his views on the U.S. economy, the next recession, investing in gold, and why you might want to add long-term bonds to your portfolio. You can listen to his entire interview on The Real Wealth Show. It's episode 718. And if you're interested in learning about rental property nationwide, consider attending our live event in San Mateo on November 9th and in LA on November 10th. We'll be featuring properties in Ohio, Florida, and other cash flow markets where there's job growth. You can get the details at newsforinvestors.com. 
just click on the Learn tab and look for events. Again, that's newsforinvestors.com. I'm Kathy Fetke, and thanks for joining me here on Real Estate News for Investors.